Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Product Pain Points. We are joined here today with Andrew Lean. He has some amazing experience from bringing a product to market, catching trends, running e-commerce stores, doing all kinds of really, really cool stuff. We want to bring his experience today, cover as much as we could, and you know, my hope is he comes back and, and tells us more because this is a guy who's been through a ton. <laughs> um, so welcome to the podcast, Andrew. Thanks, thanks. Glad to be here. Yeah, so I wanted to start off, I think Juicebox is one of the earlier products that you brought to market. Uh, tell me, what was the inspiration? What what made you want to go through the whole product iteration, ideation, all the way through? Yeah, so this is a really classic, like, I had the pain point and created a solution to address the pain point. So, as textbook as you can get. I mean, uh, you know, so, you know, I've been a Mac user Know, 10 or 15 years and always had Apple laptops and have always known about kind of some of the issues around the fraying cords um, and, you know, charging issues and things like that. And, um, you know, it was really in college when you're, you know, transporting your laptop, going in and out of your bag so much that your charger begins to see a lot of wear on it. Um, and, uh, my charger in particular saw enough wear to where it stopped working. And, you know, usually this wouldn't be that big of a deal, but this is an Apple laptop. Everything's expensive. Yep. And so every time it breaks, it's an $85 charge. And so it's, it's, it's a little bit of money. And then it's also a kind of a hassle. Uh, you know, w when I was at Ohio state, there wasn't even an Apple store within 10 miles. Yeah. Um, you had to oh. go all the way out. Um, you know, to one of the malls to go get one of these chargers. So, uh, you know, a little bit of cash and a really inconvenient pain point, especially if you had a final or an essay due the next day. Yeah. Um, so that was really kind of what started. It was just like, you know, this is really annoying. This is really painful. What might we do to solve this? And, you know, having an engineering background um, and kind of coming off of a couple other product companies, uh, we kind of just started going after it and assembled a team um, of myself, um, an engineer, and then some designers um, and kind of started to build a brand and started prototyping. And that's kind of really where it all started. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's really cool. And I think starting based on a, a need is probably one of the most powerful reasons because the passion's there. Oh. You, you know, it's not just, hey, I dreamt this up and I think the world would like it. Yeah. Oh, and, and one of the, the most interesting stories is we actually got called on this in a, in a business competition we entered. The judge said, mm, I think this is just a you problem. <laughs> like, you guys just have this problem. And so he turned to the crowd and said, raise your hand if you have a, a MacBook laptop. And, you know, maybe 30 or 40 hands went up. And then he said, leave your hand up if you've ever had a charger break. And probably 80 or 90% of the hands stayed up and wow he goes okay <laughs> I'm wrong sorry I'm 45 or 55 years old I I don't have one so I didn't yeah. know so he was quick to to reverse on that but uh that was wow. a good little dose of val you know validation so 
No doubt. What a cool way to, <laughs> to prove oneself. And I'm sure you're going around and looking at people's chords mm -hmm. and you're just saying, oh, that's frayed, that's frayed. You're yeah. just kind of seeing frayed chords everywhere. It becomes an obsession. Yeah, you can just walk into the library and do kind of an audit yep. and walk around. And we did a little bit of a survey to two or 300 students um, and kind of kept seeing the same result of you know, 60, 70% had to replace a charger. So we kind of knew it was a real problem. Uh, based on kind of that anecdotal evidence. Yeah, I think most people would go about this and they'd say, hey, their chargers suck, so I'm going to create a new charger. And mm -hmm. instead of doing that, you built an add-on for something they already had. It's an add-on to the existing Mac charger. And you did it in a style that is very much Apple style. I mean, mm -hmm. it fits within that. It's clean. It looks good. There's a little bit of personalization with the color. Yep. Tell me how you knew to do that. So, you know, the Apple customer, if you kind of dig into them, um, you know, is obviously someone that cares about style, appearance, um, and is willing to do that enough to purchase a high-end laptop, uh, you know, with that Apple brand behind it. And so that, that was something we really wanted to maintain. Um, some of the other products that, uh, you know, were kind of near us in the market um, you know, going on the Amazon reviews said big and bulky, um, you know, doesn't really match my laptop, um, you know, hard to get out of a bag, you know, like kind of embarrassed to use this. <laughs> um, so, you know, we really knew we wanted to maintain that style. And that was kind of the theme for our design and prototyping iterations of, no, it's too bulky. We got to find a way to cut it down, yep. um, you know. Oh, you know, 15 millimeters is too big here. We need to cut that down to 12. And, um, you know, really that, that was the bulk of our prototyping was how do we make this really sleek, nice and fit with the theme of Apple computers? And cause that, that's the, the, the family it's going to be a part of. And right. so we wanted it to pretty, you know, seamlessly mesh there. That's awesome. That's awesome. And, um, I, I think you guys, the result was fantastic. I mean, it looks as natural in an Apple store as it would, you know, sitting online in, in an e-commerce store yeah. with its packaging. Uh, so how did you source manufacturers, do your first run? Tell us about, you know, you had these ideas, you guys are doing iterations. How do you go about that? What are the first steps there? Yeah, so we, you know, we're going through these iterations and, you know, uh, you know we take it through usually like, Kind of a concept phase of sketching and then we stepped it up to actually 3d printing and modeling it on solidworks and then uh, we took it actually one step further um, and did what's called urethane castings um, and so this is basically the most advanced form of plastics prototyping that you can do today to get a product that's as close as a production uh, final production product as possible and so, um, you know, that was one of the things, kind of an extra step that we do. A lot of people just take a sketch, 3D model it, 3D print it, and that's kind of good enough. Mm -hmm. uh, but we ended up taking it one step further to where, you know, we let people handle it. We took it to shows, we took it to contests, um, and people thought it was the real thing. Um, and of course, we, we hadn't made an investment. We hadn't talked to any suppliers yet. Um, so that was kind of a, just an additional step of validation that we did. And then from there, we said, okay, we're really, really sure people want this. We're ready to make that leap 
into mass manufacturing and uh, starting to look into injection mold suppliers. Um, so we researched, um, kind of went online, uh, found some injection molders um, because we knew the process, the manufacturing process needed to be injection molders. Because so, of your engineering background, you knew right. that? Mm -hmm. Gotcha. And so we knew that was how it had to be made. And so we you know, talked to some overseas uh, manufacturers, said, hey, here's, you know, here's what we want to make. Can you quote it out? Um, and we also talked to some domestic uh, injection molders, uh, actually some here in town um, and some on the West Coast, um, and kind of got, you know, I would say, 10 to 15 good quotes um, from those uh, injection molders to say, hey, this is what it's going to cost to go from your finalized 3D model to a final product coming off the finish line. Um, and so once we kind of compared costs um, and kind of looked at everything, we said, um, hey, this would be really cool to do locally here in Columbus and not do it overseas and have a local shop do it. And actually, um, we weren't paying a premium for that decision. Um, it, you know, it actually ended up being cheaper in the long run um, wow. because the this being kind of an injection molded product, there are quality considerations. There are um, going to be iterations and modifications needed. It's a extremely exact, uh, you know, chemical and mechanical process to injection mold something. So uh, we wanted the supplier to be right here in town so we could be there in 10 minutes, solve the problem, move on and not waste weeks and weeks and weeks of yeah. late night phone calls. Um, and so we, we selected a supplier uh, here in town, got the cost and then said, okay, um, you know, what's the next step here? How do we, how do we raise, you know, tens of thousands of dollars, mm -hmm. uh, you know, which is required of injection mold tooling uh, to take this to the next step. And you know the story, we went straight to Kickstarter um, and it was the, the first ever Kickstarter campaign uh, that we ran. That's awesome. That's, that's really cool. I mean, it seems like a perfect storm of you had the know-how, you saw a need, you experienced the need, and, and you guys did the, the market validation. How long did this all take from a couple broken cords and paying for that to launching the Kickstarter? Um, I would probably say eight to ten months um, of going from sketch to, okay, we're ready to launch day one of the Kickstarter. Um, and, you know, obviously part of that is prepping for the Kickstarter. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, typically, you know, now when we do crowdfunding campaigns for ourselves and, and for clients, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're always talking about two to three months of prep. Yep. Uh, you know, no problem. Uh, for Juicebox, since it was, it was our first one, easily four months. Mm -hmm. um, and so not a lot of more product work was done. Uh, we basically switched gears, pulled the whole team off and retooled so we could, you know, spend three to four months actually prepping for a, a serious product launch to thousands and thousands of people, Yeah, uh, which, you know, is required. Yeah. And that's great. I mean, it's, it looks so easy to do a Kickstarter. I mean, obviously we're in Columbus as so somebody was successful with potato salad at one point, yeah. but I think to do it the right way and to make it repeatable, there has to be prep, there has to be thought Absolutely. put into it. Uh, and that's fantastic. So 
you did that. It's it's an awesome product. We're we're proud to have it uh, as part of the Product Pro offering. So it is available through the Product Pro app, where people can sell it on their own e-commerce site. Yep. That's fantastic. I think it's a really great addition, made in the USA, which is constantly feedback we get as people want more products mm-hmm. made in the USA, especially in the electronics category. That's that's pretty rare. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's really cool. So thank you for joining the Product Pain Points podcast. Tune in next week for part two of our interview with Andrew. Wake up, Mr. West, Mr. West, Mr. Fresh, Mr. By himself, he's so impressed. I mean, damn, did you even see the test? You got.